Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, Eric Green. Eric, how are you? I'm uh, well-adjacent, Blake. You're well-adjacent. Yeah. You're finding new ways to say things aren't great. Well, I try to spice up the old vocabulary. Uh, I, I feel like you can do better than well-adjacent. Well, you love the adjacent. I love the adjacent, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was for you. It's a mage term. <laughs> um, not joining us. She just ducked out because the last time she came on this podcast, uh, she caused a two-game losing streak. Yeah, I've I've shipped I've shipped that burden to her. I, I take no responsibility. Yeah, I try to warn you guys. Yeah, but certainly wasn't your fault. Yeah, we have talked since then. Uh, Sierra is not joining us. Uh, Seb is sitting over there quietly. I don't think he's joining us. Um, <laughs> uh, so since we last talked, the Raptors have won two more games. They were against mid-level Eastern Conference opponents. They were varying degrees of good and also troublesome. Uh, two games between podcasts is not a lot. We don't have a lot more information. We don't have a lot more to talk about. Uh, beating the Hornets, even without Kemba Walker, and beating them by 13 was good, except that the Raptors had another terrible third quarter uh, to the to the extent that Dwayne Casey would not talk about anything other than the third quarter after the game. And it was it was kind of funny if you weren't writing a story on Fred Van Vliet and needed a quote from the coach about Fred Van Vliet. If, uh, like, hypothetically. Hypothetically. Yeah. And, you know, hypothetically, if the team's media availability were to revolve around only one person. Um, anyway, so the Raptors did not sort out their third quarter issues there. They then played the Indiana Pacers, against whom a week earlier... Uh, that third quarter issue and the starting lineup issue in general uh, had been a problem. They come out so flat that Dwayne Casey changed the starting lineup in the second half. That group came out flat and I think was a minus 11. Um, they played the Pacers better. Victor Oladipo still scored like 80 points on 20 shots uh, and the game still came down to the wire, but the Raptors only lost the third quarter by I think two points. Mm-hmm. Uh, they looked a little better. They did not need to change their starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things have gone well adjacent. <laughs> in the two games since we've last talked to you, uh, Eric, I know you're still feeling a certain way about uh, at least one thing that kind of hangs over the team right now. Yeah, I mean, like, look at the Pacers game. They, it was a good game. They played well. They won on the strength of a very good second quarter, which is what they do. It was uh, also a very fun game. Yeah, yeah, no. I, looked, I, I, like, I, defense, who cares? I don't think the teams weren't defending. <laughs> like, honestly... I think the Pacers were probably a bit closer than they should have been that game. They, I don't know what their numbers were from the mid-range, but they seemed very high. That's from, what the Pacers are right now. Yeah. They're this team where every player on the roster is shooting 10 percentage points better than their career yeah. high on threes. Yeah. Pacers and then, are fun. Yeah, they're fun. Victor Oladipo is yeah. really good. Anyway, I, so yes. even though the Raptors gave up 115 points, I wasn't like, oh my god, that was awful defense. Saying that, they allowed 32 points in the first quarter, 31 points in the third quarter. The Raptors' big four, uh, you know, Valanciunas, Ibaka, uh, Lowry, and DeRozan, when they're playing together, are giving up more points than the worst team in the league. Did you just almost forget DeRozan in the team's big four? Ibaka and Valanciunas come to mind immediately. I I go from who I'm blaming to who I'm not. Okay. (laughs) Oh, DeRozan gets the least blame? No, no. Interesting. No, I media easy. assist winner, PBWA yeah, media he, assist winner, Demar Derozan. He gets a uh, 
lifetime path paths on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so it's a problem, and a problem I, you wrote about. Yeah, I, I wrote if there was a, if there is one wing who could maybe help this group coalesce a little better. Uh, they've been a lot better with OG and Anobi as opposed to Norman Powell, but that's almost entirely been on the offensive end, which isn't what you would expect. You you think, like, oh, gee, there's another... <laughs> that was unintentional. Uh, oh, gee, there's yeah. OG. Oh, golly. <laughs> golly oh. gracious. Oh, <laughs> um, you would think OG and Anobi, because of his defensive versatility, would give the Raptors a bit of a bump on that end, and they're still playing worse than the Suns, who are have the worst defensive rating in the league. See you there on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, Big preview <laughs> for Tuesday's game. The Suns are awful. Like, unspeakably bad. Trying to scout a little bit over the weekend and, like, get up to speed on the Suns, because obviously on off nights they're very low on my priority yeah. to watch. They're so bad. Yeah. Um, Naturally, uh, they'll win by 10. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's happened before. Um, I think it happened last year and the year before. Yeah, the Suns have their number. Uh, Interestingly, um, so the 9-0, this is unrelated, but the 905 <laughs> play at the ACC. We should get our unrelated 905 tangent sponsored. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe buy Raptors 905, the only <laughs> people who care about Raptors 905. Um, so they play at 11 a.m. at the ACC tomorrow. I was looking back at the four other ACC games that they've had. Uh, the Raptors, the parent Raptors, generally do quite well in the second half of the back-to-back, enough that a lot of guys, four different players, have done the doubleheader, the day-night doubleheader for 905 and then the Raptors. So it's going to be a blowout one way or the other. Alfonso McKinney's got to join the doubleheader list. Uh, who else is on the... Fred Van Vliet Bruno. and Bruno Caboclo both did it in one game. And then Pascal Siakam and Jakob Pertl. Hmm. So if you do the doubleheader, you have a three and four chance of becoming an immensely important bench player <laughs> with a ridiculous net rating. <laughs> and other than that, you're just an internet sensation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, with fake tweets about your game. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So the difference with Ananobi versus Powell hasn't been on the defensive end like you might assume they've been about a point better per 100 possessions defensively still very bad um to the point where they're worse than the suns are for the season as a whole unit now part of that is the starters play better players and better players tend to score more but part of that is the problem with the raptors that will be looming over this team probably all season long is that you know, when you have DeMar DeRozan in a lineup with Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas next to each other up front, there are multiple ways to exploit you. Yes. And it's not like Kyle Lowry's a shutdown point guard or anything. No, Kyle, it's not like Kyle Lowry is an shit. opportunity yeah. defender at this yeah. point in his career, I yeah. think. Yeah, he's good, but like Oladipo beat him a few times around yeah. screen. He did a nice maybe. job on Beal the other yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, and it's just... You know, it's a roster construction issue to an extent. Well, it was or, a roster construction issue when it was just DeRozan and Valanciunas. Yeah, yeah. Like, adding Ibaka in there out of his, you know, the position he can still play. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the other angle they could go is to try C.J. Miles with them. And they've, that five... Just ether teams. Yeah, that five-man group has played one minute together. They have a plus 170 rating. So yeah. I just assume it would continue like that. I did mention, so early in the season, um, we were on the same side. We both preferred C.J. Miles slightly starting to Norman yeah. Powell. Um, and a large part of the argument was Norman Powell's fit on the bench, which has played out. 
and Norman Powell and C.J. Miles are a nice fit together. Um, something to consider, yeah, it, defensively, if that unit is just not going to figure it out, the idea of just outscoring teams makes sense. And that foursome, for as bad as it's been, is still outscoring teams a little bit overall because they can really score yeah. a lot. And no matter, and this is with Norman Powell and O.G. Ananobi at the small forward position, neither of whom is an elite floor spacer. You add C.J. Miles maybe the best corner shooter in basketball and a guy with a huge gravitational pull, um, those lineups could be even deadlier. Now, um, oh yeah, the spacing rating is the point I was going to make. There's a spacing rating estimate that um, Nick Syria, I think, came up with. And anyway, they would be that group would project to be in the 90th percentile yeah. for spacing rating, even with the Rosen and Valanciunas. So a lot of room to breathe on the, the drives, and the, the Raptors are driving more than... Uh, more than anybody in the league. Oh, Josh Lewenberg's going to join us, it appears. Josh Lewenberg got locked out as we... This must rec- be some podcast to lock the doors for. Yeah. yeah. We, well, we, no, we didn't want to let any bad takes in. Oh, well. <laughs> and, and we failed, yeah. At least Waz is in here today. Josh, we're going to have to have you on. When we do do the media game, you and Wolstad should do the draft live on this podcast. Who's going to call the play-by-play? I don't know. Who, who doesn't get picked? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, yeah. yeah, you don't want to say that one on record, do? You? No. Anyway, there's a media game that's been in the works for two years that is never actually going to happen. Um, that everyone is talking as if it's going to happen soon. And uh, Josh Lewenberg and Ryan Wolstadt, the unreasonablest himself, uh, are the captains yeah. theoretically, maybe. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, so we were talking about CJ Miles potentially in the starting lineup. Uh, you, you can make a case to. I know Dwayne Casey doesn't like to change his starting lineup often. Uh, I know I've spoken against doing this with the front court. Uh, you could make a case where, depending on who the playoff opponent is going to be, you would want a different one of Ananobi, yeah. Miles, or Powell starting, especially if the rotation is going to tighten up, which is something that I wrote about at The Athletic on Monday. Um, now, do, would, you, would you be okay with, for the sake of getting all of the groups comfortable together, would you be okay with Casey changing the starting small forward based on the matchup so that they're comfortable playing all three of those guys there? Or is it something where, you know, they should pick a lane and be who they are and if they need to change later? Well, I think I was advocating last week that they should do that with Valanchunas. Right. So, like, but, I, but I think yeah. it's, it's a more complicated thing to do with Valanchunas because you're, fundam- yeah. you're then game by game fundamentally no, that, changing how you yeah, play. Yeah, this is my point, though. Like, I, I think they should do that. Based on it doesn't even have to be based on the opponent, but it can be. Yeah. Um, but I think those, you know, there's no reason. Not that it's a huge criticism because we're a quarter of the way into the season, but it's sort of weird that that lineup has only played one minute together. It is, and strange. he, and, and and I think it will naturally go up as we also haven't seen much on. of Miles closing lineups with yeah. Ibaka at the five and yeah. Miles as the the de facto four, whether yeah. it's with Siakam or Ananobi or Powell yeah. or Fred VanVleet, who is now a closer because his net rating is infinite. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and we sort of don't have much evidence of how that lineup would look defensively. Yeah. I, I mean, because, you know, C.J. Miles, while he has enough height, kind of, yeah. to defend... He tops out at yeah. average. He's a, yeah. he's a capable defender. Yeah. I guess the Raptors just haven't been trailing by a lot in the fourth quarter. Which is when often, it bumps to Miles is, being... Yeah. yeah. Um, the only game really... I mean, they've either been being blown out, and there was the game they lost to Washington where they made a half-hearted yeah. comeback where that, I don't 
remember if they used Miles as a four, but that might have been a situation in which you'd see him. Yeah, and then there have been a couple instances where the game was close late, and they've opted for Van Vliet even before DeLon Wright's injury yeah. uh, in the C.J. Miles spot. Fred Van Vliet is the closer. Yeah, like Shouts to Kira Sedgwick, yeah. Um, who I didn't, I didn't know who that was, and then I made that joke one time, and someone pointed out that she's Holt's rival yeah, on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that that was Kira Sedgwick. That's the closer uh, herself. Damn. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine has been tremendous this season. Yeah, um, I didn't love this week's episode, although... No, I'm, this is gonna what be... was this week's, the paper mache head one? Yeah. On Boyle? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although there was something that was really relatable. No, I can't remember it. Anyway, yeah. maybe I'll think of it. Probably won't. Oh, yeah, this is the Skyfire one, right? This week? Um, With the author? Where they're yes. chasing the stolen books? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a great one. This season's been really good, though. Yeah. I love that show. It's a good show. Yeah, and I'm glad that it's here while the good place is off. Also, that Riverdale uh, pulled ahead two episodes into the this segment instead of like last week's episode was originally expected to be the last one until January. Yeah. And now there are two more before January. Oh, there's one yeah. this week. Yeah. There's one this week and next week, Oh, uh, my. which was originally not the plan. Why, why did they make that change? I'm not sure. Uh, we also know that we have a Sabrina, the teenage witch spinoff coming. That's supposed to be a grittier, edgier, <laughs> basically a, char- a new charmed okay. from what it sounds like. Great. So we're going to have all sorts of segments on this podcast by the end. There's going to be very little basketball talk next, <laughs> next year. Um, no, uh, it, so I know I bring this up only because I know, well, because <laughs> there's only two games to talk about with the Raptors, but we had said that uh, Caitlin McGrath, Dom, and myself would do an all-Riverdale podcast at the break between seasons, or between half seasons. We are going to do that, uh, but we're probably going to scratch Riverdale Reasonableists and then just do a standalone podcast episode sometime between December 17th and January 13th. So, um, For those looking out for it, yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, there aren't many. Uh, I'm, I'm also I'm doing my first mailbag this week since the, the the regular season started, and last year every week or every time the mailbag ended with "Who killed Jason Blossom?" Yeah. So I'm very curious to see if the final question this time is "Who's the Black Hood?" I might have to insert myself into this Riverdale Reasonableists full pod. Uh, the whole point of us doing this because you don't like talking about it. I know, but I, it's not that I don't like talking. This is about the height it. of it's narcissism. Just, yeah, don't make me talk about it. But if you talk about it without me, yeah. I need to be involved. I am needy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so if you were to change the, <laughs> we'll talk about basketball again now. Uh, if you were to change the starting lineup, game to game, out the small forward position, you know, it's Powell and Ananobi. Enerby's defense has been great so far. It, it's been better than ex- even expected as a defense-first guy. Obviously, the timeline yeah. it's, it's changes how you view what he's contributing and stuff. Um, Ananobi has not done the best of jobs. He hasn't had his best games against the type of player Norm Powell is normally very yeah. good against. Your Bradley Beal, your Victor Oladipo. Maybe we'll see Tuesday night. Devin Booker fits into that class where it's a lot of chasing around screens. It's a quicker guy. It's a lot of movement off the ball. Um, Ananobi has demonstrably done better with the more physical guys like a James Harden who's going into your chest with the ball in his hands yeah. um, and then some of the bigger some of the bigger wings it was what game was it it was Charlotte I think where he saw time on Marvin Williams and Dwight Howard yeah. uh, and Nick Batum yeah. uh, so guys like that and Anobi's done a really nice job on so you could make that case I don't again I don't I understand the team's perspective that they would like to keep the starting five the same and I'm I'm fine with that um, I just think like I don't even feel strongly about matching up yeah. from that position. I just think they should all get some reps. 
Okay. Like, that's pretty much as far okay. as my... And I totally get the team wanting to keep it the same. Like, yeah. it's not something I feel that strongly about. This is the the dullest of takes. Yeah. But I, I think there is something in it for the club to see what Miles looks like next to those four. And if yeah. it's starting or not starting, like, e- even yeah. if it's, like, extended minutes It's a lineup you're going to want to use at some bench, point. Yeah. Then, like, the, if you think about it, like... There aren't many playoff opponents where you'd be like, okay, well, you're probably going to close with Jonas Valanciunas on the floor, so let's see what CJ Miles looks like in case you're behind a little bit. But there might be some. Yeah. There might be some. You know, like, uh, I don't know, the Washington Wizards are a team where you'd maybe want to go four around one with Valanciunas because of Martin Gortat. Um, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, if they get their act together. The Detroit Pistons, who are so much fun right now, and yeah. it makes no sense. And I never thought Reggie Jackson was coming back from the brink like this. And Andre Drummond is... Great man, that open gym clip. Yeah, not aging well. No. Yeah, you're better than Drummond. I don't know. I don't know. No. That uh, that quote and the Bruno pick will go down as Masai's only missteps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, so I I want to ask you about something. I've written a three part bench series uh, the last week. Yeah. That is actually going to be a, I think a four parter, depending on how Tuesday goes. I'm going to do a film room. On uh, mm. Van Vliet, Siakam, and Pirtle. And Blake role. is just updating me what he's going to do on this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, it, so what I want to talk about is the piece that I had on Monday. Yeah. Which is, I went back and I looked at the last four years of NBA data, and basically my question was, I had written these two glowing pieces about how good the bench has been. And I wanted to know for myself, you know, is it going to matter? Mm-hmm. Because logically and anecdotally, rotations tighten. You play your best players more. The bench matters less. Yeah. And the numbers bore that out. Teams play, um, they're... Bench minutes account for about 12% less of the time on the floor than they do in the regular season. Uh, if you control for the fact that bad teams play their bench more, it's still over a 10% impact. So um, right away, the bench is going to get cut about 10%. That's mm-hmm. about the amount the Raptors cut their bench minutes each of the last two years when their bench was very good. Uh, my question to Eric is, do you think, has the bench performed so well that Dwayne Casey will have trouble cutting the rotation to 9 or 10 come playoff time? Um, are we going to see those five-man all-bench units in the playoffs? Because my biggest concern early in the year is, yeah, they're awesome together, but I don't want to see them, I don't think, in the playoffs. Well, first of all, there's 60 more games to go, or 59 or whatever it is. Are there? 61. Does there have to be? There really yeah. does have to be. I can't. Um, I, there's nothing I love more than getting a bigger sample. For yeah. So we can have all these same discussions with more data later. Yeah. It's, so we'll see. I think it's going to be a challenge. I mean, we're talking about this when everybody was healthy, right? Yeah. Like it's it's going to be a challenge to find which players fit any given series. Uh, I don't think, you know, because come come playoffs, you want Kyle Lowry playing 36, 37, 38 minutes a night. Up. Uh, I'm, I'm giving Eric yeah. a thumbs up right now. Yeah. I want that number higher. 42 minutes Honestly, a night. Honestly, if, they, if Kyle Lowry only averages 33 minutes all regular season, they can play a 48 minutes a game in the playoffs, and <laughs> I won't complain about it. <laughs> I do. Like, um, and you would expect to see some of those Kyle plus bench units. Absolutely. Uh, so then you're asking, what are those four guys? Who are those four guys? And that's something we yeah. don't have a lot of information yeah. on yet. We, uh, we've seen about like 70 if, minutes of Lowry and Bench and 70 yeah. minutes or so of DeRozan and Bench. Yeah, like, so my guess, like, I don't think there's enough to change my preseason guess, really. So I guess right now I would say Pirtle, DeLon, uh, CJ, 
assuming Ochi is still starting, mm-hmm. and Norm. And then Siakam, who is oh, yeah, is yeah, out yeah, of yeah. the is out of the yeah, mix. Yeah, and um, so it's a, and I, it's a question at the backup point guard spot yeah. too. Like, so I know that right. there's more invested in Delon, and yeah. he has longer tenure left. But Van Vliet has been yeah. super good. So, so it's so. going to be hard. Somebody's feelings are going to be hurt unless there's an injury. Yeah, and then the thing is too is like I think they're going to enter the playoff series. Uh, playoff series where I'll be like, okay, these are the nine guys. Um, but the nice thing about having this depth is that if something's not working or you no. need a spark, you need a Norman Powell in Game 5 of the Indiana series, you need, um, you know, a big gets into trouble and you need a, a matchup look to help a foul mm-hmm. They're going to have those pieces to call on yeah. um, that, you know, are probably more reliable than they've been in recent years. Yeah, so. I guess right now I can't actually see Siakam falling out of the rotation. Yeah. I, that was a misstep on my part. But, but like, again, it, this it, is the part, like, yeah. all of any of them would yeah. be weird, right? Yeah. Like, if they weren't... If they weren't in the lineup, yeah. So and that's the thing. Yeah, and then you know the the only and if you make the case that Valanciunas would be out of the starting lineup in certain playoff matchups, then Pirtle's probably the guy getting bumped from the playoff rotation. Unless it's JV, which feels yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, pocket, pocket that for after the next bad game. <laughs> you can save that take for now. Okay, so um, the Raptors looking ahead to the next little bit. They're about to play eight teams that are under five hundred in a row. We've talked a little bit about how they've had a tough-ish schedule to this point. Uh, at least, you know, not the toughest schedule in the NBA, yeah. but the toughest chunk of the schedule that they'll face yeah. other than that one week Especially where they like, have Milwaukee, Cleveland, and Golden State. When you looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year, I think it ended up being tougher by record then than it would be now, yeah. but it's still an unfriendly part of the schedule. Right. And, the and, is, and it was travel-heavy. the West now. Yes. Yeah. And it was travel-heavy. Um, they've gotten a lot of, like, they have a four-game trip coming up, but really that's the toughest one left, and, the, and those four teams are all playing garbage. all terribly. Yeah. Firing coaches and superstars in, in trade rumors. Injured. No, you can't get DeAndre Jordan for Jonas Valanciunas that pick. Um but what if you throw in Norm? Who can't be traded. <laughs> um, anyway, so with this eight-game stretch coming up, obviously, look, the Raptors could play poorly and go 6-2 and two over this stretch, yeah. I think. Like, they're, they're that established of a team. What are you looking for in an extended stretch where they're playing against poor competition? Are you looking for you know good habits to set in in the first and third quarter? Are you lo- looking to avoid bad habits? What... You know, the, this team's too good to worry about really, you know, an 8-0 run or, you know, that would be cool. It would be an 11-game winning streak, okay. uh, which would be great. Um, but what are you looking for? Because it's, you know, a- any evaluation you're going to do is going to have the caveat of the poor quality of competition. Yes, the sample's going to grow for the entire season, but then it's going, by the time the stretch is done, you know, they'll have played it against a fairly weak schedule. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of, it's going to be a lot of qualitative, I think. So what are yeah. you looking for? Yeah, I think I'm really interested in how the starters continue to mesh or not mesh together. Because uh, if they can't perform adequately against these starting lineups, then they're not going to be um, performing well against better starting lineups, unless it's the Pelicans, in which case they'll be great. Um, but it's... Because you got to know that. Like, most... The, the foundation of the truly great teams in this league are have a kick-ass group of starters and a bench that can hold serve, pretty much. I mean, there are exceptions, like Cleveland's great with LeBron plus 
four reserves, but that's a bit of a different situation, maybe because yeah. LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> and even Golden State, yeah. like they, they don't, they'll never close with Zaza yeah. out there. Yeah. But Zaza is pushing Fred for the best net rating in the league. Yeah, they still kill teams to yeah. start games. Yeah, so it's it's like not really a sustainable thing to be a very a sustainable thing. I mean, through May and June to be through May. We don't need to worry about June. Yeah. Um, to be a mediocre team to start first and third quarters and just continue to make it up for all the reasons we've talked about on this podcast. It's a hard way to live, man. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I think it was last game where the second unit had trouble scoring in one of their stretches, and that's going to happen. Uh, so I'd like... I'd like to see the starters impose their will a little bit. I'd like to see them be average defensively. Because I think against bad teams, if they're not able to be like mediocre defensively, then you've got some worries. They've been, over the last three games, they weren't great against Indiana defensively, but their defensive rating is under 100 over the last three games as a five-man unit. Really? Which is, yeah, encouraging. And their net rating is like plus 27 or something mm. like that. Um, but again, it, it, you're talking about yeah. one good team, one middling team, and one very bad team. Yeah, uh, and that midling team was missing Kemba Walker, so that's, who uh, is important to the Charlotte. Bournemouth. Yeah, no disrespect to former Rookie of the Year Michael Carter Williams. He's yeah. not Kemba Walker, uh, shooting twenty four percent or whatever he, he whatever it is from the floor. Bad game that night. Yeah, he's had a lot of those. Yeah, it's not very good. Yeah, <laughs> it's no Fred Van Vliet. How do you really feel? Yeah. Um, okay, so you're looking for the starting lineup to be a little a little better. Uh, you're looking for them to defend. Is there anything you're looking for? You know, the second the thing about playing against bad teams is that their benches are going to be bad too. Yeah. Um, are you are you expecting some regression from the bench unit at some point? Not necessarily because they're going to play worse. They might because they're young and, and inconsistency is a part of that. But because they're all of their plus minus stats, all of their advanced stuff is just like out of control. Good yeah, game. like I think at some point that's going to take a hit. Um, Shouts to Daryl Morey. Uh, <laughs> regression, uh, but. I guess the one guy I'd be really interested in is Norm. He's been much more comfortable uh, in this role offensively, at least, uh, and defensively, because that group is insane defensively. Yeah, and you're, not the, uh, yeah. you're going against lesser competition, um, and then everyone is crazy. But his assists are down a bit, actually, yeah. as a reserve, which was surprising to me. Uh, not not like in a big meaningful way, and it's also been five or six games or whatever it's been. Uh, but they, especially with the lawn right out, you really need him as creator two, and he's or, playing or with creator CJ, one, which yeah. you know I, I understand that that opens up space on the drives too, yeah. which is probably helping a lot. But like CJ Miles should be shooting four hundred threes per thirty six, or yeah. like I think he's up over eleven, which close. still feels close. <laughs> it's up over eleven. I think who's the only player. There's only when I last looked. There's only one player shooting threes, more threes on a permitted basis, and it was. Oh, someone, I, I know who it was. It's uh, big man Maurice Spates. There you go. Yeah, I was gonna say it's someone who shouldn't be shooting threes more than CJ. He's Miles. shooting pretty well. I know he is. Yeah, uh, most Spates. They don't call him less Spates. You know? <laughs> uh, he's the worst pre-draft interview I've ever had. Maurice Spates. Yeah. Really. Yeah, he just seemed grumpy, and and that's not the like I don't know him, and it, that's not the sort of reputation he has now I yeah. don't think but he was just not do you have a favorite interview. pre-draft interview yeah probably not ah. uh, there have been some Johnny cool story. Johnny Flynn was good okay um rep to Syracuse um, uh, Malcolm Brogdon was probably my favorite 
I've only been doing the pre-draft workouts for three years, though. Yeah, they all, like, the, my problem is I can't really remember yeah. them individually, except for this one. Yeah. Malcolm Brogdon was so good, and, like, I liked him as a player anyway, but he was so engaging and fun to talk to that I was, like, trying to find, I was trying to talk myself into the Raptors needing a guard yeah. and having room for him. It's like, this makes no logical sense, but come on, tell me you wouldn't want to talk to Malcolm yeah. Brogdon every day. Patrick Patterson was good. Okay. No comment. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't around back then. Yeah. yeah. He was doing, I think, a diary for Sports Illustrated, like a rookie diary, and so that was like an extra thing to talk about. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Patrick Patterson, that knee held together with silly string by the looks of it. Yeah. He's having a tough time. Yeah. His numbers have come up at least a little bit. Uh, you know who else is, or sorry, whose numbers have come up a little bit and who is not having a tough time? DeMar Carroll's been awesome. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I haven't seen them enough, really. Okay. But if you want to talk about it, I will sit here and... Uh... I just... I think it's interesting because I think part of the reason he didn't... Obviously, there are a lot of reasons he didn't work out here. And the blame is shared, and some of it is just misfortune with the injuries and stuff. Uh, but Brooklyn is very much playing a style that resembles what he was used to in Atlanta. And... Not a coincidence since Kenny Atkinson is yes. there. Um, but also, DeMar Carroll's now back playing a role that... Were he on this team now, you know, it's weird. They got rid of a guy, and I understand why they got rid of him. Obviously, uh, there was a tax hit, and the relationship had frayed, I think, a little bit. Um, But now the Raptors are playing in a way where DeMar Carroll would fit better than he fit the last two years. They've, like, doubled the amount of possessions they're finishing after a cut. Um, Obviously, their assist rate is way up. Um, the three-point attempts are up. All the things that Damari Carroll can help with when he's playing well. Um, this is not to say the Raptors were wrong for sending Damari Carroll out. They had tough decisions to make, and Damari Carroll did not look like this player the last two years. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool to see him doing well because he was, you know, it was a situation where, like, it's not like he came in and, I don't know, I always root for guys to do well when they when they move on to their yeah. next stop. And it's been tough to see Patrick Patterson not do well and Bismack Biombo have a tough time. So it's nice to see Damari Carroll and Corey Joseph, who's been... Awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see those guys doing well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and poor Terrence, was, man. Yeah. He was playing pretty well, too. Yeah. And now he will not be well, playing for a long time. Of... The Magic are bad. Yeah. They uh, were fun for like two weeks, though. Yeah. Their start was something. They were, they were like, there was, there was a night where I can't remember what the night was or who they, they were playing even, but like after the Raptor game ended, they were my league pass choice on a heavy league pass night. I was like, nah, I'm watching the Magic game. Instead of like any of the good Western Conference teams, and they won in New York. They last had a night, moment, which the Raptors can't couldn't do a few weeks ago. Man, um, I was talking to a friend yesterday who sat courtside for in at Madison Square Garden for the game where Demar missed the three sixty dunk. Yeah, and I can't imagine what like the emotion you'd go through sitting that close as someone goes up for this tremendous dunk and then misses it. He's a Raptors fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Vancouver based. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we're, we're not talking about anything anymore. Yeah, but. now Damari Carroll, good for him. Uh, yeah. He wasn't ineffective by choice yeah. here. Uh, I think he's going to get booed when he comes back, which yeah, is probably well, not a good look, but it happens. Yeah, I mean, when you're paid X amount of dollars, I understand. and then you complain. You know me, I'm very, I'm very anti-booing. Yeah, I mean, general. I don't think it accomplishes anything, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, At least like, Corey, Corey got an isolation. Yeah, he did not leave by choice. Yeah. Did he leave in the most graceful way? <laughs> no, but it, I've seen more graceless. Sure. Less graceful. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway. Went down swinging. Good yeah. Good for Damari. Yeah. It's good. Who, who else left? That's it, right? Oh, P.J. Tucker. But P.J. Tucker wasn't here that long, and P.J. Tucker was always going to be just fine. I did find it really interesting that DeMar made the, the OG P.J. comparison so, so early, yeah, without being prompted. So yeah. you were... I was not here for this one. Yeah. Were you here? Yeah. Okay, can you fill the people in on what DeMar said, uh, roughly? He basically said, OG is a more athletic P.J. Tucker. Uh, and High praise. I don't think he's that physical yet. No. Like to, uh, and not... Not that he can't be that physical. He doesn't have the go-ahead from referees to be that physical. And it's sort of like the same thing we're talking about on the other end with Fred Van Vliet. Like, if Kyle Lowry does, like, three or four of the same moves that Fred Van Vliet did at the end of the Indiana game, he probably gets whistle on most of them, and Fred Van Vliet doesn't. And that's just establishing a reputation. Uh, You know? I do. I have a... I have a weird theory, and this is like the petty. We talked about it after the game. This is like the most petty. So when Kyle Lowry got teed up the other night in for Fred Van Vliet, yeah. arguing a call, and Lowry like performatively followed the referee and yeah. kept yelling at him, and like the referee was clearly walking yeah. away. I feel like, and this is a weird thing for him to think in that moment, but Lowry, I think, is petty enough. I'm pretty sure he was trying to show up the ref that double teched him a couple weeks ago, just being like, "See what a what a good ref would do if I keep <laughs> complaining after a technical foul." Um, I'm yeah. not ruling it out. Yeah, uh, I'm very much on Team Petty anyway. So yeah. if that were the case, I would be. I would very. I had a lot of respect like, for that. But would he then make sure that the original ref got it somehow? Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I, I think. Yeah, I think, look, if you're a ref that gives someone a double tech, I think you're keeping an eye out on the tech list, too. Just be like, oh, yeah, see, I'm not the only one. How many techs does Kyle have this year? Four, I want to say. Okay. So he's got to get his pace down. Yeah, because he'd be on pace for 16, which is a one-game... No. So, yeah, better get... Maybe he only has three. Maybe he only has the two Washington and the the one the other night, but I think he has another one. Seems likely that he does. Yeah. It's, it's surprising he doesn't have 16 already. How does he not have 82 every year? Mr. Rosen never get technicals either. Yeah. No, it's pretty, he's, fairly uh, rare. He's been kind of angry yeah. this year. Not with us, just yeah. with the refs all yeah. the time. Um, yeah, no, not with us. He's the, he's the award winner. Good guy of the year. Yeah. All right. Well, Fred Van Vliet's coming for that one, I think. The, the Don't count on CJ. That's true. CJ won it this year, too, for Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. Last year. I no, Demar's going to lose. I, I said this earlier. Demar's going to lose out to voter fatigue. Yeah. It's He's like, won about two years in a row? Three yeah, years in a row? Yeah, two. Uh, but it's only two was years. Was it Amir before that? No, I think it's the only two years it's been around. Oh. I don't think it existed before then. Okay. And Amir was never, uh, you know, I came Amir, but he was never a good enough quote to, okay. uh, to win that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't here for a lot of Amir. I always, he was like probably my. My favorite guy at that time to shoot. He's, he's shoot sort of like Corey Joseph, right? Like you, it's fun to talk to him about stuff, but he doesn't give you a whole lot well, yeah. on your recorder. Yeah. Good person, not a great quote. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think anyone cares about this, but I think some people do, yeah. but we definitely care more than they do. Yeah, um, and obviously, all of my objective analysis is based entirely on how nice to me the players are. Oh yeah, which is why. That's why we're so glowing about Kyle Lowry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is the opposite of the Williams Award? Hi, Kyle. Yeah. Um, he's not listening to this, but he, man, he's playing so well right now. Yeah. It just, like, it doesn't warrant saying because Kyle Lowry is always playing extremely well. But, like, he's at a career best true shooting percentage. 
Um, like a historical rebound rate for a player his size and, and a clean career high in that. His highest assist percentage in three seasons. Um, and like, man, I don't know if it's the lower minutes or he's just found a groove or what, but... And since he's only going to average 16 or 17 points a game, he won't make an All-NBA team, and that'll be great. Yeah, save some luxury tax, yeah. because there's a point at which Lowry's too good that some unlikely bonuses kick in, and Lowry kind of be too good and push the team into the tax. It's surprising Oops. how many people, uh, we have this conversation sometimes, like think that DeMar is more important to the Raptors' success than Kyle. Yeah, I don't think it's a conversation worth like having, having anymore, because like I think it's... One, you know, the, the people who see it different ways view basketball different in ways. different ways. Yeah. And, and I don't think you're going to convert many people to either side of the argument. Yeah. And I also think that at this point, in year five of these guys being together, so much of each of their individual success and the team's success and the way the team's been built is about the relationship sure. between yeah, those yeah. two on the court. For sure. They both benefit from being with each other. Right. And the team benefits from having both of them. Yeah. And like, and this year, the DeRozan and Bench units have been really good. It's mm-hmm. obviously a tiny sample. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's... Uh... It's good. Like, who's to say that if Lowry had to carry the scoring load? I don't know. Yeah, Lowry, Lowry's more important to the team. It, that like that's a, a like, fact. There is a lot of information <laughs> pointing that way. Um, you know, you could make the argument that the Rosen is more important to the franchise in like a grander sense. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's probably not a discussion worth having. Yeah. In I, was last, just, I was listening to a podcast in which they were ranking. The top 20, it was like the Bill Simmons podcast with okay. one of his million friends, um, who has no credentials, but whatever. Um, and they were discussing the top 20 players as of right now in the NBA, and neither of DeRozan or Lowry made it, but like DeRozan was like the first guy they mentioned after. Okay. Um, and I can, I'm fine with both guys not making it. Like when you yeah. go through, there's so many good players in the league. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Is like it sounds, like, it sounds yeah. like twenty's far down the list, yeah, and then you name not, twenty players, yeah. and it's like oh. Um, but DeRozan like has a significant flaw to his game yes. that that Kyle doesn't, and it's like fifty percent of the game. Yeah, um, yeah, and then you know if anyone has not been partaking in these arguments over the last couple of years or whatever. Um, you know, all of the qualitative analysis suggests that Kyle Lowry is not only the most important Raptor, but like a top ten to twelve player in the entire NBA. In, ter- in terms of like his impact, impact on the court, on the yeah, team. Yeah. yeah. Whether you want to look at on-off yeah. splits, plus, yes. raw plus minus, real plus minus, he probably couldn't beat Joel Embiid in a one-on-one game, right. but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, actually. look, if you want to talk one-on-one game, no one can beat Lorenzo Brown. So. <laughs> there you go. Is that a thing? Allegedly, Lorenzo Brown is an unbelievable one-on-one player. Does he shoot? Yeah, I guess you would have to at some point. Um, yeah, Lorenzo Brown. That that's a story. That's going to be an off day story sometime soon. Is Lorenzo Brown is like threatening all time low usage rates. Uh, he's also the only player in NBA history to play a full forty eight minutes and score fewer than five points. He scored one point one time. How many days is Lorenzo Brown into his forty five? We don't know. So weirdly, weirdly, um, NBA teams have to. Uh, announce when a player goes up and down yeah. to the G League if they're on an NBA contract. Two-way contracts are their own thing where teams don't have to announce up and down. And Lorenzo Brown can be at the Biosteel Center and working out on his own and working out with coaches. And as long as he doesn't participate in team drills, that doesn't have to count as a day. Um, so Malcolm Miller has physically been here and is probably at zero days. Yeah, uh, Lorenzo Brown, I'd assume they're trying to massage it a little bit just in case DeLon's absence extends... Um, just in case of any number of yeah. things, right? 
but on top of that, you also have agreements. You know, there are almost certainly handshake agreements with agents when these deals are signed. Where, you know, Mike James with the Phoenix Suns is a good example. He's he's almost up his forty five days, yeah. and he's not going to the G League. Yeah, they're either going to waive him or convert him to like they'll waive someone else and convert him to an NBA contract because that's an agreement they made, and there's not a strict rule against it. Um, so there's a case where you know we don't know. Maybe Lorenzo Brown. Maybe it would be a bad look with the, the agent relationship if they were massaging Lorenzo Brown's days um, unless they have an agreement that he'll hit the 45 at some point during the season. Today's Extreme Minutia is brought to you by yeah. Raptors 905. Raptors yeah. 905. Um, it's worth the drive to Hershey Center to see <laughs> the champs. Um, yeah, anyway, all of that is to say we don't know, which is a little frustrating on my part because I would like to know. Yes, uh, I can see how this would bother you. Yeah, it bothers me <laughs> a lot. And I was trying to track it at first, and then someone was like, yeah, we don't, just because he's not, you know, just because he's with us there, doesn't mean it's a Just because there hasn't day. been a press release saying he's going down. Yeah, or like, because I physically see him at the Biosteel yeah. Center doesn't mean it's a day that has been burned off of his... 45. Um, the other thing a couple people have asked, I'll just mention it since we're talking about it. Say Lorenzo Brown used up his 45 days and then the Raptors decide to waive him and sign a different two-way player, they do not get a full 45 days. They have 90 days total to use on between their two two-ways. And if you sign someone, you know, Malcolm Miller's used zero. If you sign someone new, those are prorated. So you can't, you can't massage the days creatively to basically churn those two-ways so you always have a 17-man roster. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Damn. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't think... Uh, Damn. I think the fact that we're getting into the nitty-gritty of how 45 days are accounted for yeah. suggests we should probably Wh- shut this what down. What is a day? Yeah. Uh, anyway, Eric, do you have any parting shots before we let these people go and uh, no. get ready for the 905 and then Phoenix Suns doubleheader? Yeah, one of us will be covering both ends of that. Yeah. Um, the road trip will be... Interesting. Are you going on any parts? No, of I'm not going on this road trip. Okay. Um, just because, you know, the Raptors tend to lose in Sacramento. <laughs> in painful fashion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oft stupid fashion. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they've been average on the road. Who else is It's Memphis, the Clippers, Sacramento. Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you'd think oh right now they'll, God, be, that's a bad they'll, be, they'll be favored in all four of those games despite being on the road. Maybe not Memphis, but probably. Yeah, I don't I don't have in front of me if any of them are back-to-back. I know they're at a rest disadvantage three times this month mm. uh, where they'll be on a back-to-back and the opponent is not. Uh, so in that the, scenario... The back-to-back is Sunday, Monday, Clippers Sunday. are the second half yeah, of the back-to-back. But it's also... An afternoon game on the Sunday. Followed by a night game, okay. so it's not like a... Brutal. Yeah. So they would get Blake, in early enough. Yeah. With Blake Griffin, Beverly, and Tatos, it's still out. Yeah. Um, they'd probably still be favored yeah. lightly. But second day of a back to back in the middle of a road trip. Yeah. Anyway, that, all of that's. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. If they don't go two and two, that's going to be disappointing. If they go worse than two and two, it will be disappointing, yeah. yes. Yeah. I think they should go better than that. But yeah. they also went one and two in New York, Indiana, and Atlanta. So. Yeah. Weird stuff happens. It's hard to have your foot on the gas for all the time. that long, I think. But yeah, it would be nice for them to stack some wins right now. At least that way when things go, if they hit a skid later, yeah. the, the record has that cushion where people maybe panic a little bit less. Yeah. That, that's not going to happen. No, they'll have a completely fine year with no ebbs. Yeah. Or flows. No flows. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, man. Speaking of things with no flow. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, any parting shots for the people before we shut this down? Oh. Was that your parting shot? I think so. Okay. Uh-huh. I don't care. Eric, uh, <laughs> thank you so much. 
for spending this time with me. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. If only to be a reasonable man.